0: It's episode 37 here with Patrick Tinney, and his full name is Patrick up. You Can't Stop Me, Tinney, the author of The Bonus Round, Perpetual Hunger, must have for all you salespeople, all three of these, and in Yes. And before I actually get Patrick on here, I want to just shout out to my sponsors, sell a million. If you own a furniture or a mattress store and you haven't bought this book yet, what are you waiting for? Over 101 tips and tricks on how to sell more and make more money if you own a mattress or a furniture store. And here's just a little little aside. Even if you don't own a mattress store, you own any kind of business, take the word mattress and furniture out and it'll make you a lot of money. I want to give a big shout out to our sponsors, Steve. I don't know if you're out there or not, but I want to say thank you to Mattress Industry Network for sponsoring our show. We appreciate you guys. And if you own a mattress store or you're in the mattress industry and you're looking for a group uh, of, of retailers that network together, that help each other succeed, Uh, This is the group for you. It's run by retailers for retailers. And you will connect with suppliers. You'll uh, connect with manufacturers, owners of businesses, uh, owners of uh, manufacturers, VPs of sales, national VPs of sales for manufacturers and a lot of folks just like you, big, small, medium stores, and they are there. It's a community to help you build, market, sell, and succeed in the mattress industry. So if you haven't joined this book on Facebook, you need to do it. You need to do it now. The Mattress Industry Network, go on Facebook and join this group and thank me later. Patrick, good morning. Good morning. Morning. How are you doing? It's a good afternoon for me here in Ohio. How are you? You know what? It's a great day. Um, You
1: know, it was nice to have a long weekend and just kind of, you know, didn't think about what we're all grateful for. And um, looking forward to swinging into the fall. Um, You know, I think there's a ton of great opportunity as we come into the fall. It's, you know, it's um, it's when I, I think consumers just get a lot more active. And they know they're going to hunker down for the winter. So if they're going to do any remodeling, if they're going to be, you know, doing any painting, if they're going to be adding new furniture, did I say furniture? Yeah. If you're going to be adding new furniture, this is, this is probably a good time of the year to, uh, you know, to to get those final shots in.
0: Yep, absolutely. So listen, our topic is overcoming challenges and maintain your focus. So with that said, what the heck do you know about? challenges i mean obviously you've lived a charmed life i mean these books just write themselves i i know that you know i've written a book i know how easy it is not um tell me tell me about some challenges in your life and how you overcame them and what we'll, you know maybe we'll extrapolate that out to our our store owners
1: let me start with a story you know i i just I get a kick out of that, so um, and this is the first time I've spoken about this on air about ten weeks ago. I was approached by a gentleman at Microsoft, and we'd had a couple of conversations. He works in the on the platform team, so this is their highest end sellers, really large deals larger deals than than what I did in my day, but you know just it, it's adding a zero or so and uh, and he said, um I'd like to introduce you to somebody that nobody gets introduced to. And I went, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. And I said, what, what's, you know, where are we heading? He said, you know, Pat, he says, your understanding and um, a bit, an ability to articulate uh, buyer uh, negotiation strategy is something we just don't get the way that you delivered. And he said, i like to introduce you to this guy. Anyway, long story short is I met this gentleman online, a couple of meetings. I threw up what would be my normal, you know, hey, let's um, let let's you know let's do some stuff together. And he was very frank and said, you know, Pat, he said, um, here at uh, Microsoft, he says, you know, he says, we're into more complex selling. And I said, right on. So we we very quickly cut to the chasing. And what it turned out to be was uh, he was looking at the list of 25 negotiation strategies. That I detail in the back of the book that you have on your desk. Um, and he said, um, Let's pick out the 10 ugliest ones and I'd like you to deconstruct them into a single slide each. And if you'd be so kind, um, you know, put a deck together for me. And I'm thinking, Oh, geez, I got a couple of weeks to do this. I said, How long? He said, Three days.
0: Always, right? Always. <laughs> like, like I'm sitting there saying one hand gives and the other hand just pulls it yeah. away. Yeah, I'm
1: sitting there saying, wow, I was I was really looking for a three-day assignment I've never done before. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I did it. I got it done. And it, it, it's a very different approach to what I've done before because I've always really been looking for a company on this scale it actually understands what I'm talking about. You know, there are so many times I've had conversations with people and I, and I start talking strategy and I just know it's, it's like, you know, and and that was from the beginning, by the way, when I showed my first models to uh, my friends and business associates. I mean, <laughs> one guy said, hey, Pat, looks pretty good. Who are you working with? <laughs> like I never had a, uh, an original idea in my life. <laughs> anyway, so we go live and there's 25 of these, Mondo sellers. I mean, these are like the creme de creme uh, they get to work at Microsoft, and it's the u s team. and uh, the only the only problem was that as we worked our way into the presentation, I, I I don't want to sort of give too much detail on it, but as we worked our way into the presentation, I didn't have any control over which strategies were being selected. It was like Wheel of Fortune. So you got twenty five people online. This gentleman says, all right, we're going to take a vote. Which one do you want to start with and why? And so what he was doing was he was spinning back and forth my presentation. Like, I don't know if you can imagine the stress, but I got to tell you, this was the most intricate presentation I've ever made in my life. And I have made some beauties. I put it right up there with uh, smashing seven companies together when I was about uh, 30 years old and, uh, you know, having to take seven companies Uh in the distribution world, and and get them to agree on one common language and one common set of metrics in order to uh, adjust uh, the, their systems, so we understood profitability more clearly. Well, that was tough. This was this was this was this was this was exciting. So anyway, we delivered it, and um, the response was was right away. It was like, all right. So why does this happen? Why does that happen? How come I feel this way when I present this kind of a product? Um, what happens when I only sell into a vertical versus the ecosystem, and uh, what happens when the ecosystem uh, is being reduced to a vertical? Um, you know what 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 takes place. So anyway, I um, I I was up on their website. You know you know the kind of homework I do. I do a, a fairly good workup, and I had a a, a a fair understanding of what it is that they were doing. And also, gotta remember uh, that they're into the um, cloud storage space as well. I mean, they're you know they're up there with Amazon and uh, and Salesforce, uh, Cisco, all, all all the big ones, right? So um, so that was a, you know sort of an area of competition, if you will. But anyway, after it was all over, um, uh, the gentleman who nobody nobody gets to speak to said, "You know what? Pap, we're going to stay in touch." And later, I spoke to the gentleman that um, uh, sort of fostered me into the group, and I said, "How is my presentation being rated?" And he said, "Pat, uh, so far in two twenty one, he says uh, you're 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 in you're the in, in the top decile, like you're you're right up there in the top. Nice. Do you know, Pete? I'm I going to be perfectly frank. Um, ten years
0: ago, I couldn't have delivered that presentation. So tell me what changed in the past ten years that made you ready.
1: I would say it's the amount of time that I've spent really." totally uh, embedding negotiation strategy into my into my inner core. I think in SWOT, I think in negotiation strategy, it's second nature to me now. Um, I've lived all of the strategies. The only strategy I really haven't lived, um, uh, there's two, uh, one is a bully bid and the other one is a, which is sort of a buyer strategy, if you will. But the other one is a reverse auction. Um, and quite frankly, I'm not sure I'd ever get involved in one to a degree. If you do a PDF, it's kind of like a reverse auction, but it's, it's virtual. Um, but, uh, all the rest of them I've lived, I know exactly how they work and I know how they work in real time for buyer risk, seller risk, time compression, navigation, management, and closing deals that are profitable because if deals
0: aren't profitable, they aren't worth doing. Here's an interesting thing that happens to our 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 furniture and mattress store owners um consumers are great at pointing out the fact that they were at another store and they found quote the same item whether it's the same item or not um, at a lower price of course the reason they brought it up is because they want to buy from the guy that has the inventory so that they can get it right away. Right. Mm -hmm. And they also want to buy from the guy with the reputation of being in business for over 50 years. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so they really don't like fully disclose everything. And, and then it, it seems like sometimes our, uh, our mattress store owners and our uh, furniture store owners don't quite understand exactly what the consumer's doing to them. And then, of course, the, the consumer tries to speed the thing up. And I love one of your negotiating tactics where you slow the sale down purposely yeah. beyond where they want to be yeah. because... <laughs> And I'm thinking, okay, so what would Patrick Tinney do? (laughs) Like, you know, what would Patrick Tinney do um, in in this situation when, you know, a customer's, hey guys, enjoying the banter. Hey, Rick, how are you? Thank you. Did you have a question? If you got a question, we're glad to answer it for you. No? He's
1: just, he just likes hanging out and looking like James Bond. Yeah, he does look like James Bond as a matter of fact. He does. He's a good looking guy. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the, um, you know, you make, you're hitting on all of the keystone points that I think are so important in retail. First of all, uh, does your retail brand uh, live up to its billing? And, Ooh, you know,
0: that, re- that's a great question.
1: Well, it, you know, we all talk about uh, our mission statements. Um, and half of them are from Mars. I'm not saying in the furniture business, but in some of the companies that I work for, they were <laughs> these missions. Do we want to be the greatest in the world? I mean, come on, <laughs> <laughs> you're not even the greatest in Ontario. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know, when you've got a brand that really holds up on a on a on a Ah, uh, densely on a regional basis, and you know we we know that um, the furniture business has been largely a mom and pop business. Yeah. However, there are streams of uh, retailers who have taken large positions in the market, knowing that um, you know people are going to get bumped out. So Sears got bumped out, so somebody had to replace Sears. It was market share up for grabs. Uh, Leons and the brick here in Canada. Uh, they hold about a 20-21% market share, which if 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 anybody in the United States could hold that, it'd be phenomenal. I, I just don't see how somebody does it unless you know something that I don't. Um so what ends up happening is you you end up having these regional brands that are so strong. Um, I think about the uh, the really kind furniture uh, gentleman in Texas when that horrible, horrible, horrible hurricane came in, and you know he's got a big mattress selection. And he said to everybody, "Come on into my store. Just bring your families with you. Sleep on the mattresses. I don't care. And I'm, by the way, I'm going to feed you." Yep, mattress Mac. Yeah, there you go. And and he and he, and he did it. And um, and so here I am up in Canada, and I know about this gentleman because. You see, that kind of brand delivery is living your brand beyond what it is you've actually promised the community, and that's what makes you—that's what makes you uh, what I would call a generational seller. And if you uh, manage to work your way into that position of being a generational seller, then you know it's like the Leon's family—they've been around for a hundred years. I I used to deal directly with Mark Leon, the president of the company, and they're the real deal.
0: Yep. And for those who are unfamiliar, uh, that's Jim McEnvale, uh, owner of Gallery Furniture. Pat, here's Rick uh, Denley. Patrick, how has the rise in virtual selling in the digital world impacted selling? Any best practices? Thanks. Yeah. Uh,
1: a great well, question. It is a great question. And we're all facing it right now. And, um, you know, again, I'm really brand sensitive. So I wanted to. Um, I wanted to let a little bit of this wash over me. So in the in the beginning of the pandemic, I'm going to be perfectly honest and say that I targeted uh, moms and single moms and um, I gave my time away. It was a time for me to give back. But at a, at a certain point, I, I started to look at things. I started to say, all right, so, so how do we make uh, money in the sales training business when we're used to standing in front of crowds? And so I started to look for different entry points. I I did some um, uh, professional writing for people. And I wrote um, a sales and negotiation masterclass, which I delivered just before the pandemic. And so what I did was I really started to think about how I could chunk that down and deliver it. And I'm doing it now. I got a couple of classes that are running. Um, The one uh, gentleman that I'm training up right now, he... um, uh, he said something to me that just knocked my brains out. He said, "Pat, I've um, I've taken or I've participated in most of the bigs. I won't mention their names, but it's it's these large uh, uh, training companies that have been around for a long time. And I'm not talking about the Four Horsemen. You, 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 the Four Horsemen are they, they kind of do what I do. Um, but um, he you 'You're he said these other training companies they train uh, salespeople to sell to buyers.'" He said, you're doing something completely different. And I, w- I waited. I'm thinking, all right, what's what's he thinking? And he said, you're actually training us to sell to CFOs and CEOs. Mm-hmm. I said, you're right. You're right. Because one of the hardest things in the world to do is to write a sales negotiation book. It's so hard and i i don't know why i was such an idiot i started with that one but it it was it was just one of those things you kind of look at it and you say uh, the academics have written a lot of negotiation books and what happens is is you know you're either talking about fbi negotiations which don't happen in in retail outlets and in corporate sales offices you're not talking about diplomatic negotiations where you know you're you're trading food for something else sorry that doesn't happen in the boardroom what does happen in the boardroom is that uh two parties are trying to figure out how to make the other party interested in doing business number one but number two delivering while the other person goes to sleep and if a buyer is feeling really 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 confident with his seller that buyer she or he just rests knowing that if I've handed uh, some work off to a guy like Rick Denley, that's a perfect example. I can go to sleep because I know Rick will wake up at two o'clock in the morning and try and figure out how to solve a problem before it happens. Same thing with my friend, uh, 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 Pete Primo. Pete doesn't sleep. Pete sleeps with one eye open.
0: <laughs> I love this idea of giving back. <clears throat> and, you know, the interesting thing, because I've known you for a while now and I've read your books and to read your books is to really get, um, you know, Jeb Blunt said something to someone and he wrote a little blog about it. What They wanted to know like who you are. He goes, read my books. You'll know who I am. Yeah. And to read your books is to know who you are. I mean, it's obvious. you. Poured your your life, your experiences, your real true life stories into these books, and uh, so uh, this idea of of giving back. I just want to just just press on it a little bit. So <clears throat> Patrick could have responded with "Poor me, what am I going to do?" Instead, he responded with gratefulness. Thank you for all these blessings. And now I want to give back. I want to give back. And whether you realized it or not at the time, you were planting seeds, right? And you don't know which way the seeds are going to scatter and what's going to cross-pollinate with what and who knows who. Nope. We don't don't know any of that stuff. But I can tell you this from my 61 years, which is nothing compared to your, you know,
1: 122
0: years. <laughs> your 160 years. <laughs> You're talking to a corpse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, where was I going with that? I don't know, but uh, you, you,
1: you were just, you were just talking about, you know, uh, you know, at a certain point in life, you realize that, uh, winning all the time really doesn't matter. And, and, and giving to people is, I had somebody say something to me really interesting a long time ago. Sorry. I don't mean to get you off track.
0: No, no it's okay, um, I can do that myself, Pat.
1: Oh yeah. Me too. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just leave me alone with some electronics and come back about five days later. I'll still be there. Um, <laughs> Um, there's a friend of mine, Neil Cartagenese. um, great guy. He's done really well in, with his career. Uh, he could have retired 20 years ago and he just loves to sell just who he is. Yeah. And we were talking one day about negotiation and, and he, he's very good. And I just said to him, I said, you know, um, you know, I negotiate. And then I talked about X, Y, and Z. And he says, not me. I said, really? What's your approach? And he actually informed me. He said, "Pat, I'm not going to negotiate on things that are things that aren't life and death." He said, "You know, I love to negotiate, but quite frankly, I would rather uh, enjoy the process of buying uh, something from somebody who I know is going to have my best interest at heart." Mm-hmm. You know, let's say you get involved with a financial advisor. And you negotiate the, you know, the whatever out of that person, you know, are you going to be their first call when they've got a great idea? I don't think so. Right. 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 And I think the same thing happens in the furniture business, by the way. I I, I remember a story from one of your guests, mattress guy, pretty sure it was a mattress guy. And he says, I know you're never going to buy this mattress, but come on back and have a look at it. This thing is the Ferrari of the mattress world. I know you can't, I know you can't afford it. So, so we'll just get that off the table, but come on back and look at it. And what that does, is it's so disruptive, it's so disarming that the person just kind of says, well, he knows who I am. And, it, and how fast can you build trust? That that's how you do it. By lowering, you know, I call it unscripting. Right, right.
0: Well, anytime you can get them off of them, their mark. But where I was going with this, the giving back idea was you responded with thankfulness internally, giving back was your outreach, and something happens. And anybody that's ever seen Dr. Seuss, um, The Grinch That Stole Christmas, yeah, your heart grows three times or yeah. more. Yeah. And what? guess what? You get sales muscles. You you start to believe, even more than you believed before, that you deserve the sale. Not because you deserve this, that thing, that you deserve the trust. I mean, to me, it's always been about trust. If someone trusts me enough to do business with me on an ongoing basis, then I have to go to work. I have to go to work. I have to protect my client. I have to do the best that I can to make sure they're profitable. You know, one of the things I always say to buyers is, you know, my job is to make you look good. Th- that's oh, that, that's thousand, what I do.
1: A thousand percent. Where you know, as sellers, I I, I kind of I I when I stand up in front of a group of people, I say, who's the most important person in the room? And they kind of look at each other. So well, don't look at me. It's you, because. Yeah. If I don't deliver sales training that changes your outlook on what, how big it is that you can think, I was talking with a guy on the weekend, really smart business guy, and I'm scaling up my business right now with partnerships across North America and eventually it'll go into Europe to deliver the Centroid uh, Sales and Negotiation Masterclass. But um, uh, we got talking about scaling up and how quickly you can scale. And the only way that you can do that is you've got to have the experience of launching products and, you know, not being afraid to fail, not being afraid to not be perfect, because there is no perfect thing. You know, when they launched, you know, the first uh, space rockets, it was done with, uh, you know, it was, it was done with simple math. They didn't even have calculators. They were, they were just, uh, you know, making, you know, calculations on arcs and, and, and return speed and, you know, what kinds of metals wouldn't break down on reentry entry and, and right down to, you know, will the parachute open? If the parachute doesn't open, man, that's one heck of a reckoning on the way back down. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's can you think bigger than you are? And in my particular case here, I thought, you know, this is my time to give back. Um, You know, I'm a great uh, believer in Bob Berg's The Mm Go-Giver. My mother taught me to be that way. You know, my mother was, my mother, I can't even tell you how modest she was. And she was an introvert. And, you know, she'd only have $2 in her pocket, and we'd pass by somebody who who was really down on their luck. And she'd reach, and I'd I'd say, Mom. And she'd say, this person needs more than I do. So I grew up that way. And so I thought during the pandemic here, just to sort of finish this off, um, I just thought single moms are taking it the worst because they're having to choose between their children and earning a living and protecting their children. And we all know that there's some things that can happen that are unforeseen if a, if a mom isn't there or if they're not in protective care. And a lot of the kids couldn't go to daycare because it was a scary place. And then you got single moms with kids. Well, that's even worse because then you got to decide whether you're going to feed your child or not. Yeah. And you're lining up at food banks. And I just thought, Pat, come on, man. You know, like, uh, search for these people. So what I would do was uh, every day, almost every day, I would just sort of say, okay, it's crazy days with Pat. Um, I'm here for a, a half an hour. Um, here's my DM. Uh, let's jump on the line. Let's have a chat. Or I would just pick up the phone and I would go through my all of my uh, contact folks. And I would um, uh, just kind of say, um, excuse me for a second here, Pete. There we go. Sorry. Um, I would just kind of say, uh, I'm Pat Tinney. You don't know me. Or if you do know me, you know me in a kind of a modest way. And I just want to talk to you for a couple of minutes. And then I want you to give me the most difficult problem that you're dealing with today. And let's see
0: if we can solve it. So we are live right now. If you have a difficult problem and you want Patrick Tinney to address it, chime in, ask the question, and Pat's gonna do it right now live. Anybody. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that I I really enjoy uh, is I I used to be a swing trader in the stock market. Um, And I'm gonna go back to it. And a large, uh, I'll I'll say a half a position because I don't want to tell you the whole position. But a half a position in a company, one single security was 50,000 US for me wow yeah yeah i bought facebook at 27 when everybody hated it i bought CyberArk before anybody knew that the israelis um you know intelligence group were a part of it um <laughs> oh yeah that, that you know what it's, it's really funny you laugh at that because do your he, homework yeah because they <laughs> always the, do your homework the manager from rbc dominion called me in and said how the heck did you find this out i said what are you talking about cyber he says we didn't know about it he said now that I know about it you told me I can't buy the security so you've really made a mess of that haven't you by the way will you come work for us
0: wow will you
1: take, will you take your securities course and stuff I, I you know i to be perfectly honest i was born to do what i'm doing it, it, it's you know god drops us on earth with a with a plan that none of us can see and uh, he just lets it roll out and there's going to be some awful things that happen to us, like just catastrophic. But to me, that's part of the plan. It's destiny. So I don't believe in freedom of the will. And I, I'm, I'm not really sold on causality. Um, and I'm really not sold on beginning sentences with the word because. What the heck does that mean? Because. <laughs> Yay, brother and sister, because. Well, it's supposed to be in the middle of a sentence, not at the beginning. you should you should say from a causal perspective here's what happens
0: sorry no no so listen i'm gonna pay the sponsors real quick i'm gonna read a quick chapter and this is called your library oh i gotta love this um i love your book man Thank you. This is on uh, for those of you at home who already have it, it's page forty five, and you're going to notice I changed a few things up. Your library. The list of marketing and sales and copyright and geniuses I'm about to share with you is by no means a comprehensive list. Instead, it's my personal list of people who have impacted me through their writings and books. Some are old and some are new. But all are talented with a great message that you can benefit from. You cannot go wrong reading and studying them. Top of the list Patrick Tinney, John F. Lahan, Dale Carnegie, Jerry Morris, David Ogilvy, Nito Cobain, W. Clement Stone, Zig Ziglar, Dale Carnegie, Napoleon Hill, Brian Tracy, Victor Antonio, Mark Hunter. Jeb Blunt, and Mike Weinberg. Uh, Napoleon Hill, Brian Tracy, your fellow Canadian. Yeah. Dan Kennedy, Gary Vaynerchuk, Michael Gerber, J. Douglas Edwards. That was the guy that trained uh, Tommy Hopkins. Russell, oh. Br- Br- Russell Bronson, Claude Hopkins, Gary Halbert, Al Rice, Jeff Johnson, Joe Sugarman. Victor uh, Schwab, Eugene Schwartz, Jeffrey Gittimer, Jack Trout, Elmer Wheeler, another old time great sales trainer, Mark Victor Hansen, Dan Cricks, Ron Sheets, uh, Mark Kinsley, Mark Quinn, and my good friend Jeff Giannakovo, and Russell Bronson. And for attitude, do not miss James Allen as a man thinketh. It's short, but it's so powerful, and if you have not read that book, you need to go out and and read it now, we keep talking about the bonus round a little bit, but the one that's the nearest and dearest to my heart is perpetual hunger. The mm-hmm. one that made me cry the most was perpetual hunger, but the one that I needed the most was unlocking yes yeah it it it's you know I wrote
1: that book twice I know i i
0: like what you know that's
1: kind of insanity, right? You write something and then you say, "You know, I didn't do a good enough job, but I've got like a you know a whole pile of, of reviews that say otherwise, but I just knew I could make it better and you know for me it's you know it's it's not about book revenues i i I've said this a couple of times, and some authors kind of raise their eyebrows. It really isn't it's about giving back and and you know I had somebody hit me uh oh about a week or so ago about. You know everything is digital. If you're not digital, if you're not, you know, doing everything over, uh, you know, uh, the web, if you're not taking all of your leads and all the rest, and I kind of went, really, yeah, come on, come yeah. on, yeah. how do you build a relationship that way? I mean, it's okay if you're selling, you know, pedestrian, uh, you know, products that, you know, there's no risk. In other words, you know, if 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 you're, you know, if you're, you know, if you're, you know, if you're selling you know, something that's a hundred bucks. I mean, there's no life and death, right? But, you know, if you're, if somebody, if somebody comes to you and says, by the way, I, I want to talk to your commercial division. Uh, we're, we're just opening up a 10 a story building. You've got a good reputation. We're really pressed for time. We like the lines that you carry because they resonate with us. Um, you know, uh, can we have a conversation and um, uh, can we really be open about, what it is that we both need. And by
0: the way, we want you to be profitable. I just reread in the bonus round your chapter 38 selling via mobile, uh, Zoom, Skype, or email. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to find the part where you say, h- here it is. When we cannot see all of the person's body movements or cannot reach over and touch the buyers, the conversation takes on many new dynamic tones and opens up all kinds of minefields regarding how our motives are being viewed and interpreted by our negotiation partners. So this is what I would say. We all have to embrace virtual. Mm-hmm because sometimes we're stuck there and that's all but don't kid yourself there's nothing is more powerful than looking your potential business partner in the eye in the same room and feeling the feeling because you know i i i feel, before anything negative ever comes out i can feel it I can yeah. feel it 10 yeah. miles away. I, When I come into a room, I can feel everything in that room. I can feel the good and I can feel the bad. And I have learned to really trust my gut. Yeah. And uh, there, there's a part in this book that is really, really powerful where you are talking about it's our responsibility as a salesperson to make sure that this new potential business partner is solvent. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we own that lock, stock and barrel. And, mm-hmm. and and sometimes that means we have to really go above and beyond quote, our job description to find out what's going on. I mean, sometimes we need to become little investigators. Sometimes we need to get into the warehouse. Sometimes we need to get, you know, really low to the ground to find out what's going on.
1: Uh, you know, there's some people, um there are some people who are just so deceptive that you think you can read them, but, you know, and, and you're, you're obviously talking about very high, um, uh, you know, uh, self reflections, um, self-actualization. Uh, I didn't know what it was until I took the worst industrial psychological testing in the world. It was 350 questions that would make your mother blush. And what came back was, um, The the guy that tested me he he said Pat he said you're the healthiest guy in the company I'm going oh great what does that mean (laughs) you know and he said well you've got this um, you know self actualization and self awareness thing going that most of the other people in here don't have and he said you know you, you know you need to take advantage of that and and I you you use a term that not very many people use and I use it I could walk in. Mine was partly based on preparation. And and when your stress levels rise, so do your spotty tinglers, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And when you walk in, you're looking for where the, where the eyes move. Are the eyes moving left? Are the eyes moving right? Are the eyes staring at you? Because uh, the real buyer may not be the person you're speaking to. I remember Jeb Blunt uh, talking about being over in Japan and uh, he said, "Pat, I was over there for two weeks trying to get a deal done." And he said, it "Just like it seemed to go on forever." And he said, "Finally, he says I went out and he says I hired an interpreter." And I said, "Let me guess. There was a little gentleman sitting at the end of the table, not at the end, but on the on the same side as everybody else. And he was quiet, and he never said a word." He said, "Yeah, there was." I said, "That was your buyer." Yeah. He never said a word. He never said a word. And, you know, that's part of Asian culture. Um, It's part of respect for elders. And back to that comment I made earlier, you know, I, you know, this young uh, guy's calling out Jeb. He's, you know, he's uh, trashing a few people. And, you know, my respect for Jeb is like, he's the hardest working guy out there. You know, I mean, who, you know, Brian Tracy is, you try and outwork Brian Tracy. I mean, he has delivered speeches in over 100 countries. And he said, there's only one guy that's delivered that many. And he says, I'm not going to tell you who it is. I, I think it was Zig Ziglar, but who knows, right? Yeah. Right. Um, and by the way, Brian, um, uh, he endorsed my first two books. I, I, you don't get to talk to Brian, um, but I put something in the mail with a handwritten note. And I just sort of said, I know you walk the same streets that I did in Western Canada. <laughs> and I, I just, I, I, I want to give you a couple of books. I said, I don't think I fit into your world, but maybe. I got this note back saying, yeah, I give a copy to my son. He needs to read it. And by the way, what a book. And, uh-huh. and yeah, he says, I hope you sell a million. And, and Jeb did the same thing. Jeb got me on a, on a, on a Zoom call before I even knew what Zoom was, because I'm a Skype guy. And he just sort of said, do you know what you've done? And I said, I think I do. What do you think I've done? He says, what a book. He says, where the hell did this thing come from? You know, and, and we, did, we did a two-hour Zoom, and then he broke that up into five pieces. He loaded it up onto Sales Gravy University, and now I get royalty checks from that two-hour Zoom. And then he took my book and embedded it in his book, Inked. So it says, Inked, um, How to Negotiate Great Deals that Unlock, yes. And I went, Jab, and he goes, no, 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 no. It's an ode to Patrick Tinney. And he did. He wrote me in the beginning of the book saying, we're not in the hostage-taking business, okay? So that doesn't work. What with what we do. What Pat's talking
0: about is what we really do,
1: and he did it again at the end of the book.
0: Yeah, that's 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 wonderful. So let we got to wrap this up. Yeah, we're helping our dealers overcome challenges and helping them to maintain their focus. And it seems to me that you've had a lifetime. Of doing this uh, from a very young age, with Ooh. some very uh, profound losses, uh, oh. that 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 made you probably grow up a little too fast, way too fast. But I think that's what gives you this self-actualization that they they were talking about. So you know. Not everyone's going to have that kind of a a thing, but you, it seems to me, in the time that I've known you, that you approach everything with a profound sense of gratitude. You're always grateful, you're always thankful. And I really believe, you know, that when you are in that place, that's where you can meet. Any challenge, and that's where you can actually redefine who you are and what you're about and maintain your focus. You know, if your focus was on be uh, making sure that people wake up pain-free and happy because they got the right mattress, the right pillow, the right protector, the right adjustable bed and yeah. all that yeah. stuff. If if that was what you were all about before the pandemic, That's who you should have been during the pandemic. And we're not out of the woods yet. And this thing might be taking another turn. And that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: No, I think you're hitting on something huge here. Um, So I'm going to get off topic for a second. But I'm dealing with a lawyer right now um, over a couple of issues uh, around my company. And uh, she's brilliant. And I said, I've discovered two of your superpowers. Mm -hmm. I said, you have integrity and you have wisdom. Usually, I can find one or the other in a person, but rarely two. (laughs) It's true. It really is. And so what I would say to uh, uh, the people that are, uh, are selling through on the sales floor is that think about these customers, not as customers, think about them as your family. So if you're... If, you're, um, if your if your seventy five year old aunt was coming to the store and looking for the right kind of mattress, what decision would you make? If your sister in law is pregnant, and you know you know that you know having a really peaceful sleep matters, then uh, what kind of a bed are you going to put them into? And 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 by the way, if she's having children and it's one of the first, she probably doesn't have a lot of money. So you're going to have to, you know, ask her some really important questions about how it is she sleeps, whether she sleeps on her back, whether she sleeps on her side, and, you know, what side she favors. And the other thing is, you know, making sure that she's got good lighting because she'll wake up in the middle of the night, sometimes unexpectedly, and how quickly those lights come on so that she can see so she doesn't hurt herself while she's walking around. And, you know, I I think about people that have special children. And these children need uh, the, the the kind of furniture that won't hurt them. I was actually helping a uh, a Ph.D. in Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley, with a an app that um, uh, would help wheelchairs not smash into walls and in people, because most people that operate a wheelchair they have sometimes they have mirrors on the side, but sometimes they don't. And if you're a special needs child, um, then that app really makes a difference. So, I just you know. You know, if if somebody's got a kajillion dollars and it really doesn't matter, you know, you know they're they're just going to drive the sale. But if you see somebody who um, is at a tipping point in their life, they're at an accumulation point in their life, they're at a point where uh, you could have them as a like a fifty year long customer. You only have an opportunity to make a great impression
0: once. Yeah, Yep. for sure. Well, folks, I was told by Pat before we got started we had 45 minutes. We're at 47 minutes. That's so okay. We, no. we have to wrap this up. Yeah
1: that, you know what I, I got I have to tell you uh two things. by the way, Pete, the format of your new show, uh the improvements that you've made are stellar. Um, Thank you. You get more I mean, handsome I mean, you get more handsome every time I see you so <laughs> you're, you're taking those good looking pills I don't know how, you know and, and where do you come up with this hair color I'm I'm still dealing with Norwegian blonde you know <laughs> and and I haven't found a Nordic who's called me out on it yet and, and, the, and the last thing I want to say is that, that you give you give of your time and your wisdom so freely uh like having read your book and knowing the the uh you know we talk about the two of us being heretics, um, to me... We are. (laughs) Yeah, we are. And and the more more positive risk that you embrace, the bigger you can think. The bigger you can think means that you're going to outsize your thinking so that when a tremendous opportunity arrives, you don't go, oh, no, I could never do that. No, Pete Primo says, not only can I do it, but I'm going to give my competitor a chance just for the fun of it.
0: Yep that's uh that's the truth brother so listen how does somebody get a hold of Patrick Tinney what is the best way somebody watched this and they said you know what I need some training on negotiations I need some training and I I want to get some or it might be a bigger play than that it might be uh someone that said hey I I overheard Pat mentioning that he wants to uh you know uh you know uh, spread the training uh, yes, yeah, throughout yeah. throughout the world yeah. and uh I want centroid training and marketing for my piece of the world how do they get in touch with you
1: Pat? well um you know a few ways um I'm not a big facebooker but um you know there's a market there um I I tend to use linkedin uh and twitter more than uh most social media and um the other thing is you know you can just plug my name in patrick tinney sales author and my company centroid marketing is going to pop up in there somewhere um i've got a a comments box there you can get through to me and um but frankly my cell is 416-617-3271 you got my number not many guys give you their number
0: no i uh stopped breathing there for a second
1: well you know what i'm I got to tell you. So before we sign off, I just want to say something. There are younger folks out there right now who are getting in touch with me, knowing that I can help them, and that's fine. Everybody gets 20 minutes of my time. But they send me their calendar and say, fill in my calendar. (laughs) Can you imagine me? Can you imagine me calling Mark Leon and saying, hey, Mark? I'm a little busy this week. Could you kind of fill it in there for me? You know, or, or me or me calling, uh, you know, the head of KPMG USA and saying, uh, you know, uh, ma'am, uh, you know, I'm a little pressed for time. Could, could you just kind of fill this in and we'll see if we can squeeze you?
0: That, you know, that falls into the category of they don't know what they don't know, Pat. And, I, you know, as my friend Tony Amato told me, Pete, if they get to me and they haven't learned manners and they haven't learned respect, there's not much I can do with them. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, um, we we were only on Earth so long, so you better get it right sooner or later. You know, uh, you know it, it's one of the reasons why it's one of the reasons why so very few people have completed what you've done, Pete, in your industry. How many people have written uh, sales books in the furniture business?
0: Uh, a few, not too many, not too
1: many, not, not too, too many. many. I know because I looked. Yeah. Um, so you've you've taken on something that you know everybody in your industry they they like they're out of their minds if they don't pick up a copy of your book and just go through all of those tips and lessons and 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 I still laugh my keister off about you know you having people march around a building screaming, we can't take it anymore. The prices in there are too low. Stop it. You know, <laughs> honest to God, that is so cool that I'm ashamed that I
0: didn't think of that. <laughs> well, I let me tell you something, Pat. I can't believe one human being lived all the stories that are in this book. This, you know, this was a great sales book. But this is the history of modern-day advertising, and you invented a lot of it. I'm like, oh, my Lord. I was like a kid in a candy store. Pat, I swear. I mean, so much more than a sales book. I mean, it's unbelievable.
1: I could could write a part two. Um, I think I'm crazy enough. I've been listening to this guy, Pete Prima, when he keeps saying four. Um, I know, I know, I know. But you know, the thing is, here, this is what's really what's really important is, and I'm back to scalability and I'm back to, uh, you know, so I'm really big on being a specialized generalist. So you, Pete, in your space, you're a specialized generalist and that's why people come to Pete. And I, I, I so sincerely believe that me getting involved with production rather than marketing when everybody else in my industry was doing it was so contrarian. But at the same time, it's the thing that allowed me to pull pieces of companies apart. Yeah. Like the, the entire show. I, I mean, I remember I sitting on a pricing committee and a vice president came in and I was looking, I was tearing the whole flyer distribution industry apart. And he said, you know, what do you think you're doing? Do you think we don't understand how we're making money? Do you think we don't understand profit? And I'm sitting there with a whole bunch of senior directors, managers, and presidents. And they all looked up and they said, well, actually, Pat's
0: right. We don't. <laughs> Let him go. <laughs> You know, we we share that in common, Pat. I uh, I made it a point only because I'm a kind of a Dowden Thomas. Um, I made it a point to become friends with all the guys in production, and I really wanted to know. You know, is this sales thing that we're saying? Number one, is it true? And number two, why is it true? I always wanted to know the why. Yeah. And, you know, when people meet me um, and they start talking to me, they realize that I know too much about production to just be a sales guy. And it's because I made best friends with every major company that I ever worked for. I became best friends with the production guys and they took me under their wings. Listen. <laughs> they wanted to give their knowledge, but they couldn't even get an audience with the president of the company. And here's this <laughs> VP of sales who wants to know everything about what they're going through. And they're pouring out this knowledge on me. Yeah. And I am like, Lord, I am the dumbest, luckiest person in the world because
1: exactly, I've yeah.
0: tapped into something that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. Just yeah. with curiosity.
1: I became the first, A certified print production practitioner in Canada as a newspaper person there was no other before me I was the first and I never and I never worked with the equipment and and I wrote um a mid-90s final and the instructor because this is a a lifetime certification right The, the instructor who knew I didn't work with the equipment said Pat great exam but even greater example of regurgitation—I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I got to live with this for the rest of my life. But you know what? I, I got to tell you, Pete, when I would go and do store checks uh, yeah. with the former president of Simmons, uh, it was hard for me in the beginning because you know I, I, I'm just—you know—I'm—I'm I'm sensitive to other people's homes. It's their home. It's their castle. My right. boss would walk in and say, "Guys, Star check," and he'd walk in and he'd start pulling furniture apart. Because he wanted to know what country it was made in, he wanted to know, uh, you know, you know, the, the ingredients of the foam or whatever it was that they were using. Uh, he wanted to know about the outer casings of the uh, of the fabric. He wanted to know whether it could be Scotch guarded. He wanted to know, you know, he just it went on and on and on and on. And what he did for me was so generous. He 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 said to me, in not so many words, Pat. Got to know this stuff, man. Because if you don't know it, you're never going to be able to sit in front of a CEO of this business and sound like you're an insider. Exactly. Only an insider knows that the furniture business is a mom and pop business, a regional business, and on a very rare occasion, a national business. And Sears was one of the few, and they were lousy at it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a very true statement, by the way. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. It is. It is. And and, you know, listen, I know you had this happen in your career and I've had it happen in my career. We get so excited because we're going to start working with this mammoth account. Then when we get, when when we get behind the the screen, it's like the Wizard of Oz. You're like, it's just an old man making some sounds in a projection. They're, They're horrible. They're terrible. They don't execute it. They don't execute in terms of display, they don't execute with their sales process. They they don't do anything right. It's a, it's amazing that they're in business, and lo and behold, they're they're not in business anymore. Yeah, yeah.
1: you know it, it's really funny. I, I remember when I uh, I was down in Florida, Tarpon Springs, and um, I always set one day apart to do store checks because I knew whatever was opening in the United States was going to eventually end up in Canada. You know, yeah. sooner or later, yeah. it was really good. So I walked into Lowes and Tarpon Springs, and I'm, I'm walking around, and I'm looking up. And I walk by this guy who looks at me like this. And he, he walks over me a couple minutes later. He says, sir, you're not a customer, are you? I said, let me be frank. I'm from Canada. I understand you're coming up north. I love your signage. It's so different from Home Depot. This place, it, it's smooth. It's warm. It's inviting. And he goes, yeah, I used to work there. He says, by the way, he says, I was on the strategy committee in uh, Albany, right across the river. And he says, do you want to know what we were thinking before we come up there? I said, sure. He says, I only got 20 minutes, but here's everything we were doing. And so I went back to Canada with all this information and the this, the brand hadn't even arrived. It turns out that the people who ended up in the seats in Canada were old friends of mine from a large cata- um, catalog company called Consumers Distributing. and uh, and they used to sell small furniture in in, in that uh, setting, but it was the warehouse behind the warehouses. It was sort of the old uh, version of Sears in the catalog. But as soon as I walked in, I said, "Here's what I know about your operation." They went, "Let's go." Yeah. So it wasn't even a conversation. It was like, "Let's go." Yeah. Yeah. That that is what sets you apart. If you walk into Walmart and you haven't got that kind of confidence, then you don't own the narrative and you do not want to walk into as you put it a, you know a super whale account and with your shoulders slumped over it. you want to walk in you, know, you you want to walk in so confident that they're they're saying um, wonder what this guy knows because he's he talks like us and he thinks like us and you know what that does it builds instant trust instant credibility and you have them thinking and once they start thinking they start thinking she said, I wonder if I pulled Pete into a meeting, I'm working on something inside the building, but I don't want to share it because you know weird things can happen with ideas. We know what happens. Uh, mm-hmm. But if I pull Pete aside and I said, Pete, honestly, what do you think? I' get a straight answer right right And
0: and how do you buy that? You don't no, no, you don't. And, and it actually goes back to the title of your book. So either either you have this, you have this, you have perpetual hunger. Either you have it or you don't. And when you have perpetual hunger, you have perpetual curiosity. Yeah. And when you act on those things, you gain more information the good old-fashioned way, and you know more than your competition, you start winning more sales. So. Yeah. Let's translate all this for you who own a mattress store or a furniture store. Go to your factories. If you have not been to your factories that you do business with, you go to the factories. And if they won't show you their factory in the next month or two, stop doing business with them. Because they should be proud to show you their factory. They should be proud to show you their operations. And if they're not, I wouldn't do business with them. And that's your tip of the day, guys. Amen, brother.
1: Amen, brother. I, you know, I've actually been to a mattress factory. I walked in and I, I looked at all of the frames where they, they set the beds up and yeah. all of the ticking and, yeah. you know, all of the, uh, you know, uh, the, you know, the different ways that they stack uh, padding and all the rest of it. I loved it. You know, it it it, it, it it's really, really old time hockey when you see it uh, uh, done in, in real time. It's 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 artisan.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's more hands-on than people realize. Yes, it is. Yeah, it, it really is. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank, thank you, thank you. Thank you for the longest 45 minutes of my life. Oh, my God, look, time is... <laughs> it already so My went, hair's... A- my hair's on fire. <laughs> it went by in five minutes, Pat. Thank you so much for giving so much of yourself all the time to us. Come back again. Tell us how some of these new projects are working out. We yeah. want to hear about that. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much. I appreciate oh, you.
1: Man. I got to tell you, your brother Pete. Um, I don't know. You know, the only thing that's good about meeting you now is if I would have met you when I was a young guy, we would have killed each other <laughs> because <laughs> we wouldn't have slept i know that i know we wouldn't have slept i know that we would have eaten uh fallen over one would have stood the other one back up and said okay time to go again <laughs>
0: yeah I know. I know i know exactly i know, I know. all right thank you take you, man love you love you